Okay, we're reading from John 16. All this I have told you so that you will not fall away. They will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, the time is coming when anyone who kills you will think they are offering a service to God. They will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. I have told you this so that when their time comes, you will remember that I warned you about them. I did not tell you this from the beginning because I was with you, but now I am going to him who sent me. None of you asks me, where are you going? Rather, you are filled with grief because I have said these things. But very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because people do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I am going to the Father, where you can see me no longer. And about judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. Second reading today, uh, John chapter 16, reading from verses 12 to 33. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own, but he will speak only when he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because he is from me, that he will receive what he will be made known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will will receive from me what he will make known to you. The disciples' grief will turn to joy. Jesus went on to say, In a little while you will see me no more, but then after a little while you will see me. At this some of the disciples said to one another, What does he mean by saying, In a little while you will see me no more, and then in a little while you will not see me? And because I am going to the Father, they kept asking, What does he mean by in a little while? We don't understand what he is saying. Jesus saw that they wanted to ask him about this. So he said to them, Are you you asking one another what I meant when I said, In a little while you will see me no more, and then after a while you you will see me? Very truly I tell you, you will weep and mourn when the world rejoices, will, will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come, but when her baby is born, she forgets her anguish because of her joy that the child is born into the world. So with you now, it is your turn of grief, but I will see you again and you will rejoice and no one will take away your joy. In that day, you will no longer ask me anything. Very truly, I tell you, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask, and you will receive, and your joy will be complete. Though I have been speaking figuratively, a time is coming when I will no longer use this kind of language, but will tell you plainly about my Father. In that day, you will ask me in my name. I am not saying that you will ask the Father rather on the behalf. No, the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. I came from the Father and entered the world. 
Now I'm leaving the world and going back to the Father. Then Jesus' disciples said, Now you are speaking clearly and without figures of speech. Now we can see that you know all things and that you do not even need to have anyone ask you questions. This makes us believe that you came from God. Do you now believe, Jesus replied? A time is coming, and in fact has come, when you will be scattered, all of you, from your home. You leave me all alone, yet I am not alone, for my Father is with me. I have told you these things, so you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Over the last few months we've been working our way through um, the story of Jesus that was written by his friend John. We've reached a point in the story where Jesus knows that he's going to be killed, but his friends don't know that. Judas has already gone to betray him, and they're on their way to Gethsemane, and that's where that betrayal is going to take place. And Jesus is just taking these last moments with his friends to teach them things that are really important that he wants them to know. A lecturer once visiting Glasgow University teaching a class about language and positive and negative uses of language. She said that two negative statements make a positive statement. One positive and one negative make a negative. But there's no circumstance under which two positives ever make a negative. And the voice from the back went, aye, right. John 16, 7, he says to his disciples, it's for your good that I'm going away. And I can hear that, I write. How can it possibly be? How can it possibly be for their good? He wanted his disciples to meet and to know Holy Spirit in an intimate and personal way. And his desire is still the same for his people today. Even the disciples still had a hard time understanding who Holy Spirit was and what he was there to do. So let's look at what Jesus told his friends. Not just hearing that it's good for you that I'm going away, but the whole statement that he made. John 16, 7, But I tell you the truth, it's for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the counsellor will not come to you. But if I go... I will send him to you. Jesus said the only way for Holy Spirit to come was for him to go away first. In other words, Jesus is saying, as long as I'm hanging about here, Holy Spirit is not going to be here to help you and all of the other people that are coming after you. The disciples, of course, we understand, were fearful of the thought that Jesus was going to leave them. And so they they only caught that first bit, I'm going away. It's not the first time that Jesus had spoken about Holy Spirit to his disciples. He wanted them to be ready for the coming of the Spirit so that they would be ready for the life that they were going to live afterwards. So he had already introduced Holy Spirit to them. John 14, verses 16 and 17. And I'll ask the Father and he will give you another counsellor to be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him. Because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. Jesus told his followers that they would know Holy Spirit in a personal and intimate way. And so, we also should know Holy Spirit in that way. 
And that's a challenge for us. Do we really? Do we have that personal, intimate relationship with God through the Holy Spirit? Or is he only an acquaintance? Or worse, a stranger to us? So I want to introduce Holy Spirit uh, today. And I want to start with the promise of the Helper. Jesus promised his disciples that he would send Holy Spirit to them. And when Jesus makes a promise, you can guarantee that it's going to be kept. He said, if I go, I will send him to you. That's a promise that speaks about the need of human beings. If you've not figured it out yet, we cannot manage life as Christians on our own. We just can't do it. We need help. So here's a few questions. Have you ever made a stupid decision that you've later regretted? Have you ever stayed up late worrying about a situation that you couldn't control? Have you ever had problems with other people? Do you feel like the, the, the cartoon of the, the, the guy who gets up with the hairs frazzled, haggard expression, bags under the eyes, face lined with care, and it says, when I woke up this morning, I had one nerve left, and you're getting on it. Do you ever struggle with your anger? Have you ever had a hard time getting along with yourself? Have you ever caved when it really counted? Have you ever blown your witness as a Christian? Have you ever had the opportunity to tell someone about Jesus or to pray with them, but you were too nervous or afraid to say anything? Well, Jesus promised his disciples, Holy Spirit, a counselor, a helper, because he knew that they and we could not handle life without help. Holy Spirit then has come as our helper but so much more. Jesus says he will send another counsellor, but in other places that's translated as comforter or friend. The Greek word is parakletos. I'm saying that there's a Greek scholar in our midst. I don't even know if I'm saying it right, but it's close enough. If you say it with confidence, people go, oh, that's how you say that. Parakletos. It's why you sometimes, certainly when I was growing up, people used to talk about the heavenly paraclete. And I used to think it was some fancy exotic bird. No idea, you know, but the, the, the paraclete word is rich in meaning, and, and the, the thing is that no one English word does it justice. So it was used in the legal arena to describe uh, effectively a defense agent or a character witness in your trial. It was also used to describe a specialist in, in any sort of field, somebody who would come in and supply missing knowledge or experience insight into how you would deal with a problem. It was also used as an encourager who knew the right thing to say or do at the right time when you needed help. So Jesus has given us Holy Spirit, the Paracletus, the one who comes alongside to help, to support, to encourage, to defend. But it's important to note that a paracletus wasn't something. It was someone. And so is Holy Spirit. When Jesus spoke of Holy Spirit, he used personal pronouns like he and him. Holy Spirit is not an it, not some impersonal force. Holy Spirit is he. The Spirit of Jesus. So it's the promise of the Helper. Then we have the priorities of the Helper. 
And I think there are three main priorities for every one of us. The first is that the Holy Spirit wants us to get right, to get right with God. He convicts people of sin. He brings us to that place where we are aware of our need for salvation. Without work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, none of us would be saved. None of us would be redeemed and transformed. Holy Spirit does the work of salvation. He draws us to God and then reveals what we need to do in order to have relationship with God. In John 16, 8, Jesus says, When he comes, that is the Holy Spirit, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. Holy Spirit works in our hearts to show us what's wrong and what's right. And more importantly, he shows us what we need to do about the condition of our lives. Jesus told Nicodemus about this work in John chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. The truth is, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but Holy Spirit gives new life from heaven. So the second priority of Holy Spirit is to help us to grow right. He brings us to Christ. That's salvation. But that work doesn't stop there. You don't just become a Christian and then go, oh, that's it, that's me for the rest of my days. It's not how it works. He enables us to become more like Christ. The, the kind of churchy word for that is sanctification. That's a process of becoming more and more like Jesus. Healthy babies grow. If your child isn't growing, you would take them to the doctor to find out what was wrong. And likewise, believers need to grow. Becoming a Christian is not an end in itself. It's a new birth into this new life with God through faith in Jesus. Physical growth is a process and spiritual growth is a process as well. But behind that is Holy Spirit. He is the one who gives us the strength, the courage, the stamina, the determination, all the stuff that we need to continue to grow and become more and more like Jesus. Romans chapter 8 and and verse 13, it says, For if you live according to the sinful nature, you'll die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Growing up in faith and growing with God is not a matter of me or you trying harder. It's a matter of us working with our partner, our counsellor, our guide, Holy Spirit, who gives us his strength. And the third priority, I think, of Holy Spirit is to help us to go right. So to get right, to grow right, and to go right. Holy Spirit empowers and enables us to do the work that God has called us to do. Without uh, Holy Spirit, we can do nothing He supplies what we need. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. But you'll receive power when Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. We are here today because at some point in history other people spoke about Jesus, lives were transformed and they spoke about Jesus and lives were transformed and here we are. We are here if we are believers because somebody at some point told us about Jesus. And that happens because people have trusted 
him. And Holy Spirit has enabled those conversations to take place and has brought people to faith. Holy Spirit gives us power. Again, the Greek word is dunamis, from which we get our English word dynamic or dynamite. But it's more than just explosiveness. Spirit gives us the ability to deal with whatever situation or circumstance that we are faced with. He supplies what we need when we need it. We need the work of Holy Spirit in our lives. But he won't continue to work where he's not welcome. And so that's one of the reasons we started this morning with Holy Spirit come. We invite God into he, he doesn't force himself on people. He won't force himself into our lives. But the moment we ask and invite, he's there. So we need to be willing to receive him and his work in our lives. So we have the promise of the helper, the priorities of the helper, and lastly, our part to receive the helper. Work of Holy Spirit begins with salvation, but he doesn't force anyone to save. He's, to be saved. He simply draws people closer to God. We all have a choice, but we know that there are many people who resist God and say no to his offer and invitation. The first thing that we need to do is to offer our hearts to him. God sees and knows the condition of our heart. We can't hide it from him. Holy Spirit will show us the sinful condition of our lives. And we either you know, try and, and conceal it and deny the truth or open ourselves to him and let him do his work in our hearts and in our lives. And you can't bypass that starting point. That, that's, that's where every believer starts, is coming to God and asking him for forgiveness and new life. If you don't do that, then we don't receive other things from God. We have to agree with Holy Spirit by confessing sin and asking for and receiving forgiveness. But then, after that, Holy Spirit continues through our obedience to work and make us more like Jesus. We choose and we must choose by an act of our will to follow the leading and guiding of the Spirit. Obedience is really important. Before going back into heaven, Jesus gave his disciples this command. He said, on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. Yeah. After the resurrection, the disciples had no earthly idea what to do. So what did they do? They went back to what they knew. They decided to go back to the fishing. So off they went. So what would they do this time? Well, they had the option to go and do what they knew or to do what Jesus told them. Wait, wait there until whatever is going to happen happens. Yeah, if you know anything of the, the story in the Bible, you'll know that thankfully they did wait. They were obedient to, to Jesus' instruction. 
And in Acts chapter 2, we see the Holy Spirit being poured out on these people and lots of other people. We see the church being born and a new era of, of things for the world. What has Jesus asked of you? Are you ready and willing to be obedient? Or are you just ignoring him? Whatever it is, the good news is that you don't have to do it on your own. Because Jesus promised that not only would Holy Spirit be with us, he would be in us as our helper. So we have the promise of the helper. But that promise simply shows us our need and reveals the nature of Holy Spirit. We have the priorities of the helper to to get right with God, to grow right, and to go right. And lastly, our part is to receive him and to continue with his help to become more and more like Jesus. Amen.